Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Earlier this year, back in January 2023, and can I just acknowledge the fact that it's already June? We're almost halfway through the year. And I don't know about you, but it felt like it came out of nowhere. Like I've just been steadily doing my thing for the last, I guess, five and a half months. And now it's June. Well, back in January, at the very beginning of this year, I committed to getting in the best metabolic shape of my life and also into great physical shape as well. And there were two reasons for this. The first reason was that I want to be a very active person and most especially a very active mom. I love being able to get up and go, run around at the playground with Kingston, handle all the chores, work out, do all the things and not bat an eye. Now, the second reason was really based on my hormones and my metabolism. As I've shared here many times on the podcast and in my latest book, The EO Menopause Solution, women's bodies pivot a lot during perimenopause, heading into menopause. And I also know that the more severe our symptoms are during perimenopause, that these are indicators of bigger health issues down the road. And based on that, I know that having a solid metabolic foundation can really ease many of those symptoms and in some instances, eradicate them altogether, right? Why should we have to suffer during perimenopause, especially if we've got great metabolic health and we've got great mitochondrial function? So I know that the more metabolically healthy we are, the more we can set ourselves up for success for many years to come during perimenopause and even postmenopause. Now, the other thing that I'm looking at a lot is that a lot of the symptoms that we experience during perimenopause are more metabolic in nature than we initially understood. For example, hot flashes and night sweats are often a symptom of insulin resistance and deregulated blood sugar, not just simply low estrogen levels. And if you want to go into the research and the nuance of all of this, I actually devoted an entire episode to the connection between blood sugar and hot flashes, and that episode was number 529, and I'll have it in the show notes in case you want to go back and listen, because there are some strong correlations between us dealing with things like hot flashes and night sweats in relation to, you know, our metabolic health or lack of metabolic health. Now, so basically, I wanted to set myself up for success heading deeper into perimenopause and menopause as my protective hormones started to wane over time, right? These are our reproductive hormones, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. And obviously there's other hormones that I wanna be looking out for as well, things like thyroid, ghrelin, leptin, insulin, growth hormone, just to name a few. But the ones where we really notice massive changes are those ovarian-driven reproductive hormones. And at this time in my life, I know that they're about to shift and change and slowly decline if they haven't started to do so already. Honestly, starting as early as possible to have that metabolic foundation is always a great idea. But the number, the magic number where we really should start considering the pivots and building that metabolic foundation is 35 or at least 40, um, because that's when our bodies really start to shift a bit heading into early that early stage of perimenopause. So at the start of January, I continued a lot of what I was doing from 2022, 
I will tell you that I was very steady about my metabolic health in 2022. I was working out six days a week in 2022, um, between 30 and 40 minutes a day. I was walking about 10 to 15,000 steps. Um, but in January of this year, I decided I just wanted to up-level a little bit. And the biggest thing I wanted to focus on was building my mitochondrial health, making sure my labs were super optimized. And I wanted to build more muscle mass because I know that our muscle is the organ of longevity and we already start to precipitously lose our muscle in our mid to late 30s, but definitely in our 40s, 50s, and 60s, right? And that is called sarcopenia, right? Where we start to lose that muscle mass. And so the only way that I know to build it is to lift heavier weights. Now, at the time, I had been working out in my house, actually in my bedroom, and my weights were, you know, 35s, 30s, 25s, 20s, and 15s. But I was ready to kind of up-level um, to do that. So I remember telling all my friends and family members, you know, talking to my husband about it and kind of mapping out a plan for what this was going to look at, like moving into 2023. And one of my besties that happened to be in town um, for a week was Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. And her literally, her trademark is muscle-centric medicine. And so she actually helped me find a trainer, someone that she's used in the past when she is visiting here. She visits here quite often. And I hired him. Um, I hired her recommended trainer. I signed up for 20 sessions at the end of January. Um, we went on vacation and I actually officially started with him, like I think on Valentine's Day or the day after Valentine's Day. And the goal was to train with him twice a week for 10 weeks, give or take. And let me tell you, <laughs> oh, those workouts pushed me beyond my comfort zone, like well beyond. These were CrossFit in nature and they were extremely hard with heavy weights, and there was a lot of hit component to them. So a lot of hit workouts with heavy weight. It was pretty crazy. Um, and so by the time I finished the first four to five weeks, I started to notice that I was extremely tired. And I also noticed that I was having a hard time functioning in my daily life. Like I wasn't able to just get up and go. I wasn't able to just go run around on the playground and do this and do that and, and have energy to spare like I did um, the year before. Um, and so by April, um, I, I knew that I was in trouble. Um, but even before that, I remember in March, I actually, because I started to notice these things, I moved down to just one day a week with my trainer and I ended up cutting all of my other workouts out to just like two a day. So I was working out three times a day, one with him, one at home. And I wanted to see if that adjustment would quickly fix this fatigue issue, like this, this kind of workout burnout issue I was having. But unfortunately, it didn't. It just got worse. By April, as I mentioned, I was in super big trouble because my all too familiar chronic fatigue felt like it was coming back. I stopped working with the trainer entirely by the end of April. And for over a month now, I have stopped working out entirely to just get myself back to square one. Like I am, I am that I've been that, like most of May, I was just so depleted. I felt like I was just trying to crawl out of a hole. Um, and in that time working with my trainer, um, I ended up gaining weight. Although most, some of it was muscle, um, I would say that most of it was inflammation. And it effortlessly came off after I stopped working out. Now, I'm not gonna lie, this is very vulnerable for me because I feel like I teach this all the time and I've been through this before. Despite all of the healthy habits that I had diligently implemented, I'm talking a super healthy diet we have been on. We were on my detox for a month and a half, January into February, a month and a half, 
um, kind of April, May. We've been eating metabolically healthy foods, little to no processed foods, no alcohol. I've been supplementing every single day. I've been walking, meditations, tracking my blood sugar about two to three months this year, self-care, non-toxic skincare and all the things. Um, but man, by, by April, I was on my butt struggling with pretty severe fatigue and burnout, a state I know very, very well, and a state that I never imagined myself getting back to again ever. This was actually at the time where we decided to take the podcast from four episodes a week. I was so committed to four episodes a week. And we had a, my husband and I had a conversation together and he's like, you just can't, you can't keep up. This is a, the, too big of a workload for what you're dealing with right now. And so we quietly made the decision to go back down to two episodes just to give me some reprieve in this time because I was just not in a good place. Um, and, you know, one of the, the fascinating things about me, and, and this hasn't always really served me, I know that society tends to celebrate it. Um, but once I commit to something, I, I follow all the way through. It's, I've always been this way. And you know, I was so determined to finish out these training sessions, even if it meant once a week. Although, you know, in the back of my mind, I just knew that something wasn't right. But I was like, but I committed, you know, and, and you know, I always have this, I used to always say back in the day of how you do one thing is how you do anything. And so I've always kind of operated in that. And that has also been, a, you know, at times a relatively toxic trait because that having that high of standard all the time ultimately burns you out. Now, what was really fascinating about this particular incident in my life, this this was what I'm going through right now, um, is that this isn't the first time that exercise has been the linchpin that has taken me out. Um, this happened again back when I was 36, 37, when I was attending Orange Theory classes like five times a week and going so hard. I mean, competing in these Orange Theory classes. And, you know, at the end result of all of that, I ended up getting Hajimoto's thyroiditis. I got diagnosed with Haji's low thyroid function, severe estrogen dominance. I put on like, I was carrying like 35 pounds. I had all this inflammatory weight. Um, I was a hot mess and ultimately didn't end up diagnosing all of this until I was 38 years old. And it took me a minute, a, a, almost a whole year to walk it all back. So given the hard lesson that I'm currently learning again from, from healing from this once again, I wanted to share what I have learned in the process. Because this time, it felt so different to me. Overall, I wasn't experiencing a lot of stress or hustle. I wasn't really trying to push myself in a, in a lot of different areas. I was just kind of going about my business. A lot of what I had done in 2022, I just continued to do in 2023. But the one thing that I added in, kind of that exception, was adding on this personal trainer. And what ultimately happened is I over-exercised myself into chronic fatigue. And... What I wish I would have known about stress, weight resistance, and honestly, feeling like crap, feeling burned out, feeling like I wasn't able to show up for the people that mattered to me, feeling like I had to really debate, you know, can I do this or should I do that? Like, you know, in that position of having to negotiate, what do you have energy for today? Because guess what, girl, you don't have energy for all of it. Um, you know, I just, I wish I would have known that it is not that hard to accidentally overstress the body. You know, you really need each and every single one of us, but obviously me, I really need to know my body better 
and consistently reassess what is possible for myself and my energy capacity. The Really, the, the game changer for me is understanding how to manage my energy. And in this incident, I accidentally overdid it and burned out my energy capacity. I burned out my mitochondria. And I'm just so heartbroken about it because I care so much about my mitochondria because I know that they're the key. They're the gateway to longevity. They are the gateway to living younger, longer. And that's what I was just trying to do. I was like, how do I live younger, longer? I build some muscle mass. I really make sure that I have that metabolic sink in place. And it ultimately bit me in the butt. And so I just wanted to share that it has been such a humbling journey and it feels very vulnerable to share with you. But I, you know, if it's happening to me, I know it's happening to so many other women. I know what's happening to so many of us where we are so well intended and we think that we're, we're checking all the boxes and we just overdo it in one area. Maybe it's intermittent fasting, maybe it's exercise, maybe it is, um, you know, over, I wouldn't call it over, over meditating, but like there are just obviously things that we could be doing that we could be doing a little too much of. Um, and I am 100% convinced, although I feel like I've been convinced for a long time, that stressors are the biggest drivers of disease in the body. And I'm talking about stressors from over-exercise, poor sleep, highly ultra-processed foods, endless deadlines, right? Um, consistent fights with your partner, chemicals in your products, in your food, and even intermittent fasting, right? And now I realize this is a very bold statement to make, but I do believe this, and I know that the literature supports it as well. And this is that chronic stress causes mitochondrial dysfunction via um, hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis dysfunction, um, or it's better known um, you know, as the stress response system, deregulation, adrenal fatigue, adrenal burnout, or chronic fatigue. I mean, whatever flavor you prefer to call it, call it what you like. I often um, relate to, um, you know, mitochondrial dysfunction and chronic fatigue um, as kind of what chronic stress is really just destroying. Now, if you're suffering from a diagnosis or symptoms that just won't go away, even though you feel like you're doing all the right things, I just want you to listen up. This could very well be the missing link to getting your energy and your life back. The tricky thing about chronic stress is the longer we've been surviving in this state, the more normal it feels um, to feel hypervigilant, on edge, focused, extremely productive, wired and tired, right? All the, the things that are kind of driving that survival state. In fact, being so busy, stressed, and you know, having so much to do is often considered a badge of honor that you are worthwhile only when you're successful. And I feel like, especially for women, we are driven by productivity, endless productivity, whether it is mom activities or it's partner activities or it's household activities or it's work activities. I mean, I think about all the hats that I wear all the time and hence why I want my mitochondria to be happy and my metabolism to be humming is that I'm wearing the mom hat, I'm wearing the partner hat, I'm wearing the household hat, I'm wearing the CEO hat, I'm wearing the the content creator hat. You know, I'm wearing the the podcast hat. Um, I'm wearing the supplement brand hat. Like I'm wearing the trying to get the new book proposal done hat. Like there's so many hats that I'm wearing all the time. I go downstairs and let me tell you, I don't know if this happens to you. You go downstairs, you know, the kitchen, the living room, whatever, and your brain just does an immediate 
list analysis of all the things that need to get done. Like, I don't know if your house screams at you too, but my house is always telling me what it needs from me all the time. So the second that I leave this little podcasting area and I head downstairs just to get water, uh, I see the laundry basket. I, I see the the table where my husband cluttered it all up. You know, I see, oh, all of Kingston's toys are still out. I see Kingston's snack is still on the kitchen counter. You know, like you just see all these things. And so, um, you know, I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it is just me where this happens. But, um, you know, our, we are just hardwired towards productivity, um, which is very unfortunate at times because it can come at the expense of our health, relationships, and happiness. And these are things that we, we deserve. Um, so this is how stress ultimately gets us in trouble, especially if we already have a condition or a health issue. Um, what put me more at risk this go around was the fact that I do have an autoimmune condition, right? Hajimoto's thyroiditis, which has been in remission. But let me tell you, a stressful situation like overexercise can fire up the autoimmune component to bring it back. And I think that's ultimately what the tipping point was for me was actually it was overexercise that kind of bubbled up to the surface, this autoimmune condition. You know, I, I, my, my gut instinct tells me that it's always going to most likely be overexercise that will bring it back to the surface. And so I just got labs done. And although my metabolic labs look phenomenal, um, my thyroid labs look okay because I'm on thyroid medication but my antibodies were up more than I imagined. I'm honestly, I'm not surprised that they're up, but it's something that I need to get, I need to get them back down. And so I have on the lab report, it really corresponded with what I believed to be true, which was, you know, my 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 TPO count was back up. Um, and that, you know, my adrenal or my adrenals and my thyroid were taking a hit because of the overexercise. You know. My level of resilience is different than what it used to be, and it's important to honor that, which I ultimately didn't do, and it was really accidental. Like, I have been working to be so zen, so relaxed, so easygoing, you know, doing things that move the needle for my overall ultimate health and and well-being, but then accidentally pulled a lever a little too hard. Um, And I'm convinced that stress can and does play a massive role in the development of autoimmune disease and the reemergence of this condition. And I feel like I'm an N1, you know, kind of trial experiment where I've, I've, I've seen this play out a couple times now. And, um, and so, I, you know, I, I'm an anecdotal experience of this. Now, the problem is when we experience chronic stress, those same stress hormones designed to protect us in small amounts can negatively affect the balance of our immune cells such as our lymphocytes, our white blood cells, and our natural killer cells, and our cytokines. These are proteins involved in the immune and inflammatory response. No surprise that my C-reactive protein was higher than normal too. So my C-reactive protein was high. My TPOs were high. I think my white blood cells still looked with, they were all in normal range, but you could tell I was experiencing some inflammation. Um, We also know that cortisol can lead to suppressed production of white blood cells, resulting in a condition called um, leukopenia, which increases the risk of infections and other health problems. Additionally, stress can cause and contributes to burnout, gut microbiome imbalance, heart disease, hormonal imbalance, obviously HPA axis dysfunction, right? The hypothalamus pituitary axis dysfunction, 
mental and emotional health problems, metabolic disease and blood sugar imbalances, um, nervous system deregulation, sleep issues, thyroid disease, ding, 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 and nearly every type of chronic and or deadly disease. In other words, chronic or prolonged stress can lead to an overactive immune response, which can result in chronic inflammation and tissue damage, also known as autoimmunity. In every case I have seen where a woman has Hajimoto's or another autoimmune condition or chronic, you know, chronic disease that is present, I will tell you that chronic stress is always present. Like I have never seen labs for Hajimoto's and stress wasn't the biggest underlying factor. That and trauma, right? And so, you know, I just want to speak in that's a whole nother part of, you know, the the stress driving system. Um, and it's obviously not just an autoimmune condition, right? This this happened to me. Um, and it's the case of millions of other women and men, right? Men get autoimmune conditions as well. Um, women just happen to get or just kind of lead the charge with 77 or more percent of autoimmune conditions are women. I also know, and there's a lot of research that backs this up, that stress drives weight resistance. And I have experienced this many times in my life. I have been overweight due to stress more times than I can count. Stress is like junk food for the gut and our metabolism. Blood sugar levels, insulin, weight gain, and metabolic dysfunction are not as simple as what and when we eat, although that makes up a big percentage of it. There are other major factors to consider when it comes to stabilizing blood sugar levels and reducing the risk of prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. These stressful factors include, again, overexercising, sleep deprivation, trauma, ultra-processed foods, and a high demanding life or job. We know for a fact that stress drives insulin resistance and blood sugar spikes without us even realizing it. Upregulating the stress response system can be the equivalent of eating a cupcake without ever having one in your sight, let alone eating the darn thing. That's how dangerous stress is on the body. It co-elevates insulin and blood sugar so that you can pull um, glycogen from your muscles and liver in case you are actually running from a bear or trying to, you know, um, you know, protect a child or, or save somebody from something. And that's why stress is a silent pillar because most of us are totally unconscious that we are actually experiencing it. So what happens in your body when the stress response system is activated by running late to a meeting or getting in an emergency or getting a crazy text message from a family member, or you feeling triggered by what your partner said to you earlier in the day. So I just wanna quickly break down for you by starting from the top, because the connection between you running late to a meeting and your body responding, um, like you just ate a mega big cupcake, can feel a little confusing, right? Like how is it that? Why does that work like that? Well, it all stems from the fact that your brain's number one job is to protect you in every circumstance. That, like, that is your brain's like modus operandum is to protect you at all costs from any dangerous situation. So when your brain perceives a threat, um, the structure called the amygdala, I call it the stranger danger part of your brain in the limbic system, hijacks the brain into emergency mode. Again, I call this the stranger danger part of your brain because it's always, it's constantly on high alert. It's always looking for danger. And man, it is quick to send you into a stress response spiral. Now, the amygdala is great at sensing danger and can overreact when it's receiving perceived stress signals, like the ones you may be experiencing when you watch or read the news these days, right? 
or when you get some crazy text message or when you think you're running late or when you go downstairs and there's a million things to do and you just can't do another thing, right? You feel triggered. The primitive emotional centers of the brain are hardwired to create a fight, flight, or freeze response when they perceive a threat to your survival. These systems are in place to protect us in the short term from acute stress, which honestly isn't that often these days. But what if this very system that helps us to survive the short-term survival-driven threats is constantly on go mode? It is always activated, as often as it is for many of us today. Now, I'm sure you can imagine living in a survival mode state is exhausting to the body and it quickly depletes our metabolic reserves and key nutrients. Think magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin A. Um, I'm talking minerals, cofactors, antioxidants, and vitamins because at the end of the day, who needs to create the energy for you to survive this situation? Your mitochondria. And those little mitochondria are sucking up all the nutrients so that they can run at peak capacity until they poop out, right? (laughs) Eventually, they're just going to give up. Um, So what happens exactly when we engage our stress response system due to a potential threat like getting in a fight with your partner? The brain sends a signal out to the adrenals, right? And adrenaline and cortisol flood the nervous system, leading to up-leveling your blood pressure, right? So your blood pressure rises, your breathing gets shallower, you kind of breathe in that little box, you don't breathe from your stomach, Um, your blood sugar spikes and your heart beats faster. Also, your your pupils dilate, like everything is ready for you to run, again, for you to fight, um, flee, or freeze. That's the deal. Your thoughts begin to speed up. You feel a strong urge to do something right now. You feel very reactive, kind of like if you were in a fight, right? You're just kind of like you're in your reactive child and you're just spitting, you know, whatever you're spitting at that next person because you are flooded with cortisol and adrenaline. Um, This is because cortisol, that wear and tear hormone, is flooding the body and you are feeling the need to release this energy. Um, This is because the brain is kind of feeling that this moment is a real threat and danger and is priming your body to fight or flee. And we need all the energy to do that, hence the need for glucose in your muscles and in your cells. Now, the stress response system that begins in the limbic brain, the primitive emotional centers of the brain, has a profound impact on our metabolism. As you've probably experienced, this response in yourself probably in the past week or at least within the last month, our modern life sets the stage for more frequent episodes of stress, whether it's social media, endless doomsday news, constant to-do lists, social isolation, um, division among friends and family about politics or whatever it may be, environmental pollutants, ultra-processed foods, trying to figure out, you know, where you put your kids in school, you know, how you're going to, how you're going to pack to travel, like um, stepping up to take care of family or people that you love in your life, just to name a few, right? (laughs) The endless to-do list of an average woman. Um, And I have a feeling that at some point in your day, you know, maybe today or yesterday, you have felt a bit rushed, triggered, or stressed, especially now that I am in a state of fatigue and mitochondrial dysfunction due to pushing my body too hard this spring. I find myself Um, activating my stress response system more than I have in the past five years or so. So I'm already at that tipping point. So it takes a lot less to tip me over. I hope that makes sense. And let me tell you, I feel the effects of it. I am no stranger to an overactivated stress response system in some ways because they are long-standing neuro patterns in me. My body is practically addicted to the overfiring of corticosteroids like cortisol. 
I have to work really hard to not get my body into the state that it recognized it recognized most, right? The go, 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 handle business, busy, busy, busy. Let me check off the things like hyper productivity, hyper vigilance. Like I got to really, the, the flex for me is being in flow. The flex for me is, is not overdoing it. Um, the flex for me is not being uh, a type A person all the time. That, that isn't going to help me. And it's definitely not going to support my overall health and well-being. So to the point, um, you know, I, I cannot tell you how fascinating it's been to wear a continuous glucose monitor because you, what you'll see is occasionally, you know, this will happen to me, you know, every couple of weeks um, when I'm feeling really flooded with the cortisol, I'll have a really big blood sugar spike and I hadn't eaten anything for hours. And sure enough, it's my brain telling my body that I better run or fight and my body responds by dumping glucose into the bloodstream for my muscles to use it. Um, and so really, really fascinating to me watching this go on in real time. And also I actually wear a whoop strap. And the cool thing about a whoop strap, and you know, I just had the um, VP of, of human performance on the show, Kristen, Dr., almost Dr. Kristen Holmes, talk about the new stress response um, reader on side of the whoop strap where it is literally measuring your stress load 24-7. And it has been so fascinating to me to be wearing the WHOOP during this time of this chronic fatigue where I'm seeing that I'm having more stressful events across the board because my body is already just having less resilience. Um, and so I'll see it on the glucose monitor. I will see it on my WHOOP strap. I mean, the data doesn't lie, right? It's right there in my face. My heart rate variability has struggled. Uh, my sleep has been a little bit wonky. Um, my stress has been, you know, a little bit more, you know, spiky and consistently elevated throughout the day because I'm just, I'm, I, I don't have as much reserve in the tank right now. Um, now, because the overactivation of stress is so detrimental, what I wanted to do is I wanted to take a moment and share some of the most common symptoms that we experience when we are dealing with chronic stress, many of which I'm experiencing right now. So this list... <laughs> I was like, damn, there, there they are. Fatigue, chronic illness and co-infections, sleep problems, irritability, anxiety, and feeling depressed, insulin resistance, sugar, carb, fat, caffeine, or salt cravings, tiredness around three or four most afternoons, weight gain, especially belly fat, because belly fat is driven by cortisol and insulin resistance, um, which literally are at tandem with each other at times, getting sick more often than you used to, hormone problems, brain fog, forgetfulness, digestive issues, and then Hajimoto symptoms or another autoimmune condition. Now, if you're noticing any of these, especially more than two or three, I highly recommend implementing some stress-relieving strategies. And here's the flex for you, is that these are strategies that I really would love for you to be consistent with. I know that it's going to take me probably the rest of the summer to recover from what happened to me in the spring. And I'm good with that. I, I know what to do. I know, I know the process of it. I've been here before, but what I know to be true in my experience of being here before is that consistency is the name of the game. And so I am committed, as always, um, to consistently healing my body and getting my mitochondria back on track so that I can go back to the back to how I was in 2022, where I was working out 
five to six days a week. I was walking consistently. I was doing all the things and I felt so freaking good. So I know that it's slow and steady for me and that is okay. You know, I'm going to slowly increase my weight, my kind of the weights that I'm lifting in a very slow amount of time. I'm going to do it on my own terms. Um, and it may not, may not even happen until like, you know, you know, the Q1 of next year. And I'm good with that. I, I want to feel good again. And I know that that means consistently loving and nourishing my body in a way that doesn't drive my stress response system. I get easier said than done, but I do, I know that it is about consistency and also letting my family know, letting Alex know, you know, Alex is used to having a very high powered, get it done, no questions asked, um, handle all the things, um, wife and mom. And when I started faltering, when I started glitching, let's say, <laughs> my brain was glitching the whole thing. I, initially, I'm not going to lie, he didn't have a lot of patience for it because he's not used to me being like that. And he was like, what's going on with you? Like, what's the deal? Like, you're not firing on all cylinders right now. Why is that? And I had to finally, you know, I remember getting really vulnerable one night and I told him, I said, I'm so sorry. I just can't do the things I was doing. Like, I'm I'm in trouble. Like, I, I really, I really went into a state of burnout that unfortunately I can't just fix overnight. And so I had to sit him down and just let him know, like, I just need a lot of extra grace right now. I need a little bit more support right now um, because I'm in it and um, I'm just not able to fire as fast as you are used to me doing. And, you know, I know that once I had that conversation with him, he was a lot more understanding and a lot more um, supportive overall, you know, taking Kingston and and helping me with dinner and all the things, right? He honestly, he's the cook, but um, just really stepping up in a lot of different areas that I was normally leading. So just something to be thinking about, have a conversation with family members and just letting them know that you're really struggling if that's the case for you. Um, so um, I am going to share um, some of these strategies. I'm also going to share with you the strategies that are working for me. I'm currently implementing many of them myself to really quickly heal my body, although I am open to whatever that timeline looks like. Um, I am guessing, again, given how depleted I am, I'm at least uh, maybe the fall um, September is when I'll be back to feeling great. Um, it's crazy that six months after committing to getting into the best shape of my life that I am recovering from fatigue and burnout issues. This is not what I thought June was going to look like at all. Even though I made a lot of progress in the right direction, I wish I would have done it at a very slow pace, the pace that I was doing in 2022. And I wish I would have listened to my body, especially the workout routine um, that was pushing my body too hard because it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the training sessions. It wasn't worth the migraines the next day that took me out. It just wasn't, none of it was worth it. I have some more tone, but it wasn't worth it. <laughs> Our bodies, energy capacity is everything. And when you end up getting that energy stolen from you because of stress, man, it stinks. So I'm going to, again, I'm going to share some strategies that I'm implementing and then some others that I know that also work. Because again, what works for you may not work for me, vice versa. And again, the goal isn't trying to do all of them. It's really finding the ones that work for you and then just committing to those consistently as much as possible. Um, there are so many ways to heal the body and to heal stress. And the central tenet is the ways that you choose that work for you and your body. I believe that we can get we can get to healing your body in so many different directions and ways 
There's no right way to do it. There's no linear way to heal your body. What I'm going to be implementing this go round probably isn't the same exact protocols that I implemented the first time. So here's the things that I'm doing um, to address and heal my burnout and fatigue issues. So the first one I'm doing, um, which I'm loving, this one just just nurtures me in so many ways, is being out in nature to calm my mind and to give me an energy boost. The simple act of grounding, also known as earthing, which means having direct contact with the earth via gardening, walking around barefoot, swimming in natural water, or using a grounding mat, um, significantly reduces cortisol levels and improves vagal nerve, nerve tone, right? Improving vagal tone is so important here. Additional research shows that just 10 minutes a day of time spent in a green space, like again, at the beach or at the park or hiking, can reduce stress and enhance your well-being. So I am committed to being out in nature a couple times a day. Um, getting sunshine outside within an hour after waking up, um, I'm doing this to fire up my mitochondria and to fire up my cortisol response system because we have a cortisol awakening response that I want to really optimize because that's really important for my circadian rhythm and for all of our circadian rhythm so that we're getting that deep restful sleep on the other side. Um, I'm drinking water first thing in the morning before coffee. I've been doing this all year long. That's been one of my commitments. And I am adding raspberry or orange element, um, the electrolyte, to my water to optimize my hydration. I actually have um, an orange element in my big 30-ounce Stanley right now. And that has been so helpful um, for feeling hydrated and feeling energized. Um, and again, I always do it before my coffee. It's my, my, I don't get coffee until I do the water. I, we are focusing on metabolically healthy meals, so avoiding as much processed food as possible. We've been super committed to cooking at home as much as possible this year, pretty much almost every single day. Um, and then the probably the one that's made the biggest difference for me is getting deep, restful sleep. And that, for me, means going to bed early. So better sleep is absolutely essential to restoring optimal HPA ac access function. So I, I personally aim for eight to nine hours a night. Um, and you just got to kind of figure out what that magic window for you is. Um, again, this has made the biggest difference. If I go to bed early around 930, um, I often don't wake up depleted. And, and that's kind of where I really knew I was in trouble was when I was waking up depleted. I was like, uh oh. Um, but if I end up staying up till 11 p.m. because I've got a big project or something going on, I literally feel like a hot mess the next day. So I am learning that 9.30 is my cutoff time. Um, I am taking adaptogenic herbs like rhodiola and ashwagandha. Um, they actually work by downregulating the HPA axis, the stress response system. You could also drink chamomile or holy basil tea. Holy basil is definitely an adaptogen. Chamomile is just great for calming the mind. Uh, also great, great research on chamomile, not necessarily an adaptogenic herb. Um, again, ashwagandha um, boost the ability to combat chronic stress levels by restoring proper reproductive function, um, especially our reproductive hormones. Um, it supports memory, concentration. It is really calming and relaxing. Rhodiola is my go-to for literally boosting your overall energy and also helping to support the mind-body connection. But if you want to fight symptoms of fatigue or distress, rhodiola is the ticket. Other ones that I love is Siberian ginseng and um, Cassandra are amazing um, and American ginseng. So what I'm doing right now is I'm personally taking from my essentially whole line, because remember I created a supplement line that specifically supports women. Obviously I have supplements that support the stress response system and hormone balance and overall mitochondrial support for us, because these are the things that we need to function in the world. 
So I'm personally taking Adrenal Love every morning, vitamin D complete, activated B vitamin, so activated B complete, hormone balance. Um, I'm taking all of those every single morning from the Essentially Whole line, and I'm just really committed to it. I'm also taking a mitochondrial blend. I'm taking a vitamin C. I'm taking omegas, obviously. I'm taking a probiotic and a digestive enzyme as well um, before meals. I am walking multiple times a day. And guess what? I mean, obviously, I'm not working out right now. So walking is what is on the menu for movement. Um, Just because I am burned out does not mean I want to move into a sedentary lifestyle. So I am going to be walking right after I finish this episode. Um, I listen to meditations or I go on a walk tech-free. There's a ton of research to back up this derp cheap, effective way of spending time outdoors to reduce stress. So walk it up as much as possible. Again, you want to aim for at least 7,500 steps per day, um, but I try to aim for over 10,000 and that has been no problem for me, especially with my burnout issue. Breath work, so slow, deep breathing stimulates the activity of the vagal nerve, promotes better sleep, activates your parasympathetic nervous system response, and you can do it from anywhere. I love doing the four, seven, eight breath, which I've talked about a lot. I even talk about it in my upcoming metabolism and hormone reset course that I'm about to launch, um, which focuses on longer exhalations versus inhalations. But honestly, any type of breath work, um, including belly breathing um, and, you know, whatever works for you um, will benefit the HPA axis. Dance, any type of dance, whether it's solo or with a partner or with a group of friends, just boosts endorphins and boosts oxytocin, which is phenomenal for trumping excess cortisol. Alone time, I love alone time. Taking time to relax and nourish your creative side, especially if you're a busy mom or dad is essential to healing from chronic stress. This could mean reading, cooking, drinking a coffee or tea or a matcha, taking a walk, um, whatever makes you feel restored. My mom was here a couple weekends ago and she took Kingston for a walk. And when I heard that, I went and took a walk, but not with them. I went and took my own walk and I was so grateful. Therapy, especially in cases of trauma, grief, and or mental or emotional pain that just simply will not go away. I recommend seeking the help of a qualified therapist and, and a, with a modality that works great for you. Um, so where what, if it's like EFT, I mean, not that you would go to therapy to do EFT, um, but um, EMDR, rapid resolution therapy, there's a lot of different types of therapies out there that can really help you move through trauma quickly. Um, so just kind of do, your, you know, do the research, see what works for you. I have done like mega EFT tapping work. I have done EMDR. I've done rapid resolution therapy. I've done obviously talk therapy um, and, you know, whatever helps you to process um, your trauma without reliving it. That's the name of the game. Um, And then reaching out to a friend or family member, right? Community is everything. Um, Right now, the effects of loneliness or social isolation has been compared to a, um, been compared to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Partly because feeling lonely causes an increased activation of the, again, the stress response system. So I recommend that you reach out to a friend or family. You know, today we have FaceTime and Zoom and hopefully there's people nearby that you can connect with. I've been dancing with friends recently. I've been sending voice memos to my best friends who live far away. Um, And it's just so nice to get a voice memo from your bestie. I get multiple voice memos from friends every single day. And I just love it because... It's just a way for us to keep up with each other and connect in with what's going on, what what we're struggling with, what we're winning at. So again, and if you can get a hug from a 
a kid, a family member, a partner, I mean, that will really help to boost oxytocin levels as well. And oxytocin is the only hormone that can shut down the stress response system. Next is bookend your day with morning and evening rituals. And the reason why I say this is because these are sending safety signals to the brain that tell the brain that everything is going to be okay, right? Especially if it's perceived stressors that you're dealing with. Um, So self-care is critical to reducing stress levels. So think about adding one or two things that can really support you in the morning and before going to bed. So morning rituals that I love, affirmations, breath work being positive about your day, eating right, hydrating, movement, gratitude journaling, meditation, aromatherapy, and day setting, like getting clear on what your day looks like. For evening rituals, and and when I look at the self-care for morning, I do my affirmations every morning when I'm brushing my teeth. Um, I am very positive about my day. I do gratitude. I go for a walk. I go outside. I hydrate. I eat metabolically healthy foods, um, and I journal. So those are the things that I do. I kind of work them through my morning routine. For evening, again, having good sleep hygiene, um, getting to bed early if you can, diffusing calming oils, reading a good novel, listening to a sleep meditation, putting away all electronics an hour before bed, and maybe even running an Epsom salt bath, whatever that looks like for you, um, just doing something that feels really good to you. Um, for me, it's being in bed around 9, 9, 9.30, um, reading a novel, listening to a meditation, um, putting on some lavender, Um, Those are usually the things that I'm doing before bed. I also do this gratitude ritual where I just go over all the things that I'm grateful for for the day. Usually takes me about 60 seconds to do. Now, although I shared many, many different ways to actively reduce your stress response system, I want you to know that you do not have to do them all. Again, I recommend picking one or two to start. And the goal is never to overwhelm you with them rather than to support you during a time where you get to protect your energy and emotional well-being. Now, I also wanted you to know that during this whole time, I am finishing up um, creating my metabolism and hormone reset course. So during all of this, this entire year, I have felt so called to create this course. It contains seven epic modules, recipe guides, a meal plan. I mean, there's like 15 guides in here, a guide on intermittent fasting, a guide on sleep and circadian rhythm, a guide on movement, um, a guide on creating metabolically healthy meals a guide on recipes on metabolically healthy meals, recipes on on, on um, reducing belly fat. I mean, name it. Every there, I did not leave one stone left unturned. I have content on hormones. Um, and so one of the modules is going to be about mastering your stress response system. And another module is devoted to optimizing your metabolic hormones. Because we don't talk enough about those. And they're really the driver of what's going on. The hormone module is so big that I'm breaking it up into three different videos to just kind of consume it. Plus, there are bonuses, including how to fix your hormones masterclass. Um, It comes with a lab guide. It comes with protocols. I mean, there's so many wonderful things that are just going to make this program. And well, it's a course with a program component, Um, because sometimes I know that if it's just a straight program, it can be so hard to commit to that because it just doesn't feel like it's the right time. So the intention of this was to create this beautiful course that gave you everything that you need, and then you can just start wherever you feel called. But if you were like, I want to put it all together, I want to do the whole kit and caboodle, then it's got a whole course program component um, that gives you a 30-day map of exactly how to implement um, the biggest pieces of the course. So I'm super excited for this. I have been 
um, spending and focusing my energy on this. And it is amazing. It, it just turned out way better than I could have ever imagined when I started kind of dreaming it up and outlining it back in December 2022. Um, and like I said, <laughs> um, you know, because I've been feeling like crap and dealing with health, health issues that are multifaceted, what I've learned is that healing obviously is super multifaceted. So this program um, kind of addresses every facet of what I shared with you today and so much more. Now, in a week from now, I'm going to share how to get your hands on this comprehensive course that will address around 85 to 90% of your most disruptive symptoms. And that is, that's the promise. Like I'm coming at it in every direction and doing it in a way that it can really be a self-guided experience. Um, Man, this is what I know for sure is that I, you know, a lot of what's going on with our bodies is metabolically driven, obviously hormone driven as well, stress driven. And what if we just really took all the kind of the biggest pieces of that and combine it in such a way that made it easily to imp- implement. So that is the intention. So please stay tuned because it's coming. And as a sweet little gift until then, if you haven't already, go and grab my blood sugar hacks guide with my favorite and most effective ways to lower your blood sugar and insulin levels. It's going to be in the show notes as well. Um, these are hacks I use every single day to optimize my blood sugar, insulin levels, and hemoglobin A1C. Um, they work. So again, it'll be in the, the show notes for this episode. And, and if there was anything that you walked away from today in my story, in the recommendations, or even just the aha moment of understanding how stress is so pervasive in the body and in our culture, um, I would love for you to take a moment and subscribe to the show. And better yet, just rate the show. Really quickly rate it. That way, more women who are struggling with stress and overwhelm and burnout, like myself, can find this and hopefully it be a guide to getting back to a place of energy and restoration and just feeling so freaking good. Until the next episode, have an amazing day. Bye.